1: To another edition of the KFS X's and O's live stream podcast extravaganza. If you're an RJ fan, stay here with us. If you're an IQ fan, stay here with us. If you're an OG fan, stay here with us. We welcome all fans and stands of all players that we may or may not talk about tonight. Joining me, the great, the one and only, the detail junkie himself, the doctor of jump shots, the defender of Julius. His name is DJ Zula. What's up, DJ? How are we doing tonight?
2: Good. And defending Julius these days is rather easy. So it's uh to be on that side of the ledger. Not uh, for defenses. For you. For me, yes. Not for defenses for sure. Uh, things are good. You know, I feel like this is the you know getting back into the swing of things in the the home front with the you know kids back at school trying to. I've missed the routine. I missed the the quiet house the you know just uh, trying to get back into the swing of things a lot of uh you know i feel like we haven't talked about the we haven't talked at all on this uh, since the og trade so I, I feel like since then the you know the energy around Nick's nation has been palpable and awesome and i feel like you know you and i can probably agree on this we've adopted the raptors a little bit in terms of like watching them a lot and trying to see so what are so fun our, yeah i love it um uh, see what our guys are doing up there. Uh, it's been a good, a good few weeks. You know the Knicks are obviously playing really well. Can't wait to talk about it and just feeling good about things. And um, can't wait to get our, sink our teeth into this. How you been, man? Everything good on your on your front? Everything is well splendid.
1: Um, yeah, I mean let's, let's start there. I mean before we get into the the questions that uh, I'm sure will be great, and we can break down things from there. I, I wanted to get your You know, overall impressions, but, you know, I I think you got to hesitate looking at any numbers after four games. Um, I, I, I really tread lightly there. The sample size is extraordinarily small. I actually think in some ways after four games, the film analysis is far more valuable than the data that comes out after a sample size like this one. Um, And so here we are, the film quote-unquote experts here to break it down. What have you seen, DJ, thus far? What stands out in terms of the addition of OG, the subtraction of IQ and RJ? How is the... Let's just leave it there. What stands out to you so far? One or two things that have really caught your eye.
2: Yeah, I mean, just uh, I think a big picture, the starting lineup just fits perfectly right now. And it it didn't fit, um, obviously, pre-trade. And there were some things that you know the trade and the addition of OG and the subtraction subtraction uh, subtraction excuse me of uh, RJ really brought to light that you didn't really see as a major problem when RJ was here that I'm starting to wonder like were we missing some things about you know how big a factor was RJ's need to have those on-ball reps and his need to have that that usage usage level and the fact that he wasn't a great outside shooter and all those things i feel like the OG addition has really brought to light those aspects to how awkward the fit is, and that is not an indictment of RJ necessarily. That is just speaks to the fact that that starting lineup was flawed in ways that to the credit of the coaching staff and this, um, the players, they really made work, uh, at a pretty decent level. I mean, this was a, a good basketball team last year and, uh, played a lot of good basketball this year with a starting lineup that clearly was, had major flaws and, OG just, and you've talked about this in terms of the defense, it's got now DiVincenzo playing that off-ball role. He's guarding, obviously, the best player, or best you know, score on the other team on most nights. Um, it seems that Randall's effort level has increased, and I don't know if that is just a, you talked about small sample size, but it just seems that his defensive motor is, is leveled up a little bit over these four games. So I think on the starting lineup front, I, I think you can't, you can't be more happy with how they performed and with the iq part there we all talked about how removing him from the bench was going to have some that was going to present some issues i feel like they are starting to figure things out in terms of like where how they can play with a level of pace that can maybe mitigate some of the half court uh, issues that are going to be very Prevalent for this team if they don't make a move to get a score in here. Um, so those are sort of like the big picture uh, things. Um, anything else that you're seeing in terms of big picture or just a very specific granular um, idea of like this uh, this trade and how um, the team is playing with it?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll focus in on just like actual um, the way it looks, the way it looks with OG, uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the second unit, what it looks like without IQ, but I, I just on OG himself. I don't, you know, I I obviously really broke down the film on him when the trade was made. And now I've watched him with the team for four games. He's so big. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I appreciated just the pure size of him. <laughs> he stands next to Julius and like, he's kind of bigger than Julius. It's kind of shocking. Um, and I think we might underrate sometimes what that means. Um, just pure size and length on defense, especially Mm -hmm. Um, what it means to just literally have more arms in passing lanes and in defenders faces and on boards and et cetera. It's just like so simple, maybe the most simple thing in the whole world. So simple that I'm not sure it's worth saying, but yet it, it has had an impact on me. It's like, he just covers ground. Um, and whether they're Knicks are putting him on the primary, whether they're putting him on um, the best wing off ball, you know he, he had some switches on Embiid. Like it doesn't really matter, and it's just like the whole the whole defense just looks different. That's obviously manifested in the numbers, but you just you see it. I mean, you just mm-hmm. see it. At it, the defense looks different. It looks more threatening. Um, it's covering more ground, literally. That's been the biggest change to me. And like RJ, God bless him, he just took so long to get from point A to point B on defense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he's not small. RJ's got size, but the ground coverage wasn't there with him. Just a little bit slow to change direction. OG's just like that. He like glides around the court on defense. Doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's moving really fast. Just that that really stands out mm-hmm. on the offensive side. We've seen basically nothing in terms of on ball creation, both because he hasn't had the opportunities and because the few opportunities he's had have gone pretty poorly. That's all to be expected. You know, that that kind of is who he is. But what I will say, the corner threat that is there, and then the simplicity and directness of the closeout attacks, I think have been really healthy for this offense because. They don't have anybody else really like that. And from from the corner to the rim, it's like one dribble. Either I'm getting to the rim or I'm making a simple dump off to Hartenstein. Maybe, like, rarely in a corner-to-corner pass. Like, nothing doesn't take a lot of time. Just keeps the, keeps the mechanism going. And I think it's really healthy for this offense. And that's forgetting the cutting and the dunking that we've seen, which has been probably his most impactful point so far on offense. I just like how that looks, just adding that kind of simple directness. Now, how that translates to the few minutes we've seen with him, like, kind of as the starter
2: on the second unit, and like what he that that's more troubling. Cause yeah, I I um, haven't been impressed with him with the ball in his hands. And that, that was the thing that, a lot of people talked about with him is that he's a little mechanical. Yeah. Um, he he's, there's no wiggle in his game. I mean, that was like the big knock on RJ, but he's RJ has more wiggle than, than OG from what I've seen. Um, so there is a limitation offensively that listen at 26, are you at the point where expecting a growth in that area is probably not going to happen? Um, Listen, he can probably get better, but i I don't necessarily would. I, I don't think I would count on it. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, there's things he can do. Um, you know, RJ would catch the ball a lot. Um, immediate triple threat, jab step, jab step, try to get into the lane, and it just takes a lot of time versus the catch, shoot, or go. And you're just, mm-hmm. it's just all happening with a faster, you know, quicker, um, spunkier pace. I mean, that it's like the offense just moves better um and that uh, just i think that is just part of like the thing that he could do um when you ask him to do a little more with creation stuff i think you're gonna you're probably gonna run into some problems and yeah
1: yeah and it's it's simple analysis like with the first unit i think it was necessary to get more simplistic and direct i think with the second unit it's going to be an issue because they're lacking that creation the more the more complex kind of Mm -hmm. kind of creation so Let's get into it with uh, with our people watching and listening. We're we're thankful for anybody who's in this chat, who's uh, checking us out and and hearing us out and and participating. So thank you, and we will get started with Ryan Shepard. What is up, Ryan? Ryan says I understand giving Deuce a shot at the backup point guard spot, but I think they have to get another point guard, regardless, in case he or JB get hurt. Would you agree, DJ? Would you agree?
2: I I th- I would agree right now and that is not necessarily a shot at or a lack of confidence in deuce overall because I think he is an NBA player that deserves an NBA rotation spot for most teams I think he's I think the Knicks clearly believe that to some degree by you know giving him that contract and you know it, that that to me was a you know a show of confidence but the the injury part and I and John mentioned this on the the show with uh Jeremy um I listened to earlier today about you know if you brought in a point guard here, let's say it's a a Brogden, and you're and you're bringing him into the to basically play the you know the twenty minutes or so, maybe twenty five, you can really stretch it. But I think one of the selling points is like you're going to get you know Brunson has played every game, he's not going to play every game. There's going to be time for whoever you do bring in to play more minutes, and I think that you can't bank on Brunson playing. 80 games this year. I think you have to bring in someone else for those moments, even knowing the fact that once the playoffs come, Bronson's playing 38 minutes every night, and you're not going to have a great need for a backup point guard. But in the regular season, when seeding does matter tremendously, I think you need to bring someone else in because I just don't think Deuce right now. And you've talked about the fact that he's more winged than point guard. They're just, you, you see him run a pick and roll. And if the guy isn't going under and he can, then he can pull up and and make a three. Um, or he can kind of, uh, you know, kind of snake around and get into his pull up, but he's not getting to the rim, and he's just not putting a lot of pressure on the defense. So he's not really. He can get the ball beyond half court, and that's he's going to pass it, and then you're going to figure out it figure it out from there. But I think they need to get someone else in here to help this team, you know, scratch out the four or five seed or even better, you know, potentially. But I think that's that's a I think that's a need right now, and it doesn't I don't want Dejounte Murray. I think that is too rich for my blood, but I think a guy like Rogdon, would be a great fit for this team, especially in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think they need someone to run a functional pick and roll um, other than Jalen Brunson. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't really have that right now. Um, That's kind of crazy. There can't be a team in the league that has fewer pick and roll ball handlers than the Knicks do right now.
2: They'll let Dante do it, but he's bad at
1: it. I mean, Not he's, great. He's Josh violent. Hart. Occasionally like half of them are turnovers. Deuce, as you Julius, mentioned,
2: really doesn't put any pressure on the defense, Julius. But I mean, that's a very specific, that's, actually, you're trying to get him downhill.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, you know. So yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. And I love Deuce and I want to give him the chance. And the fact that he's starting to knock down some threes is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I just don't, unfortunately, um, I don't know if this is now, would I give Malachi Flynn a shot? That's an interesting question, Uh, because before I make any deal, and Jeremy spoke to this a little bit, how they might not do it for a while, in which case the need is whatever's on the roster now needs to kind of step up, and I do wonder if Flynn is a better fit to do that thing than Deuce is. And I like, you know, I've watched some Malachi Flynn tapes since the trade, and there's something in there. I'm not sure if he's an NBA player, but he's got good speed. He's he's crafty it hasn't translated yet but i think maybe worth a shot to see what that looks like just to get someone who's really a more natural point guard um it doesn't matter if he's a point guard just a natural pick and roll ball handler to um hopefully create a couple really of shoot advantages it. i mean he's I a can, volume can, shooter shoot he's not it. a
2: great shooter but he's a he can get he gets up he gets up a lot yeah
1: yeah know? so uh, i do I, I, I and i it's not a slight against deuce um but i you know you called him a backup point guard i Frankly, he's not really even functioning that way. Sometimes he brings the ball up. That hasn't looked great at times when there's some pressure. <laughs> like, makes me a little nervous. So, yeah, Ryan, I, I think you are. I think we all we all agree with you here that that some some move is necessary.
2: Go ahead, DJ. All right, HamDM, DM. Thank you so much for uh, your donation and uh, being here with us tonight. Uh, nice to see you both. Nice to uh, interact with you today. Thank you so much. Uh, with Grimes, why doesn't he attack closeouts? Seems like always looking to pass before seeing what the defense is giving him. Um, Benji, why don't you? Uh, I have some thoughts on this, but you you go ahead and take the first stab at this. Uh, the Grimes uh,
1: drive right with, uh, to yeah. score, Quentin. Mm-hmm. Drive to score. Yes, Hamdi, you are correct. But I think he does attack closeouts. The problem is he's not actually looking to get to the rim. He's trying He's waiting <laughs> for the dump off pass half the time, and they're never they're never going to respect the dump off pass if you never go up strong and try to finish. He's figuring out the balance there. You know his 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 closeout attacks this season have been uneven uh, in terms of decision making. Sometimes he'll like all of a sudden wind up for a tomahawk dunk over two rim protectors, and sometimes he'll dish it off when he should be going up strong. So he's he's still he's still figuring that part out, and he needs to. It's important that he does because it's pretty easy for him to get into that paint off the attack teams are going to close out hard on him especially in that left corner he gets quickly to the rim now it's a matter of making the right decision once he's there part of it also is just like slowing down a, a bit and like a little more pace and kind of scanning the floor and it all is it all is kind of really quick twitch right now for him and like almost um instinctual the way he just like immediately bursts there and then like tries to figure it out so try to slow things down a bit that'll come with experience drive to score first And then make plays off of that. What do you got, DJ?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, his technique off the closeout, he he will split catch where he's basically as the ball is on its way, he's in the air with his feet. And as soon as he comes down, he's already in his right foot's already behind him, ready to explode out. That's why he generates such a quick burst. As soon as that ball is in his hands, he's gone. It's as you're saying, what he what's he doing with the ball once he's there? And I think part of the issue is if he's above the break, he really needs to be on the right side of the rim because he will not finish with his left hand. He's always going inside hand finish on the, the left side. And to me, him you know, and Dante he, both. I know. Well, Don, yeah, it, it's like <laughs> both of them. Like I'm like stressed out every time they go to the basket, going to the left side. They, you know, it's like, uh, I think it was, was it the Washington game or the, or the might've been the Chicago game where it was a fast breaking Quentin had, it, there was one man back and he kind of sidestepped left side of the rim. And it was that inside right hand finish. And it just, he made the shot, but it's like the degree of difficulty on these yes. some of these yes. layups are very high. Um, Dante, the same thing, where it's it's a little nerve wracking. But I think you're right about the you know attacking the the score um, when he's on the left corner and he's attacking. You know there is like the issue of is he you know you're finishing at the on the same side of the rim is going to be hard at his size, so he's going to go reverse and that the degree of difficulty on that shot is very high. So I think I like when he does that though. And I I I feel like he's missed
1: a couple that he should have made, but I I think, you know, he, he's a really good athlete kind of underratedly jumps well when he goes off one foot on that play. Yeah. And he just kind of needs to,
2: you know, I think it's, I don't know. I feel like that reversal was a really good move for him. I think it's a really good, I feel like he made more of them last year uh, (sighs) anecdotally. Uh, Yeah. It hasn't been as, uh, I mean, the frequency is down this year, so it's kind of hard to draw any conclusion in terms of, how efficient he's been, but it's definitely a, a shot that I like um, in his uh arsenal. Um but yeah he's figuring things out uh as he gets more consistent minutes and that that piece of it has you know that was obviously as the reportings come out the part of the Knicks uh theory of you know going making a two for one trade. To bring in one rotation guy for two rotation guys is to give Quentin more playing time. And obviously, the coach loves him. And I think there have been enough signs since the trade to say, like, this is a real NBA player that was really good last year. That got off to a tough start for a lot of reasons. Um, Obviously, he deserves some blame for that. But the fact is, he's played much better now. He's at 40% from three. I think over his last 15 or 20 games, and it's the defense is still very good. There was one, I mean, there's some lineups where he's the fourth best defensive player on the team on on the floor when it's Hart and it's OG um, and it's a center. He's probably the, when it's Hartenstein, he's probably the fourth most valuable defender on the run. And that just speaks to how much, how much defense this team really has. But yeah, he, I feel like the uh, closeout stuff will come more reps. he, I think he he's really good at getting to the rim. It just get try to try to finish. Get the get to the free throw line a little bit. Mm. I think there's a confidence thing, confidence thing there as well. You know, in terms of like just trying just passing it off and not really going going strong. But it, I think it'll come with time. I think he's growing into the the guy that was a really good player for them last year. I feel like that we're seeing more of that over these uh, past several games, and that's a big sign, big improvement.
1: All right, let's hit the next question. We got James Ordeo. What's up, James? James asks, Hawks are dangling Murray to the league. Don't know how I feel about him for the team. I can make the case for or against. Um, yeah,
2: DJ, why don't you why don't you talk some DeJounte Murray? Sure. Well, here's the case for him. Uh, he's a really, really good player, and he is a Obviously that we've talked about the lack of uh, ball handling outside of uh, Jalen. It would take a ton of pressure off him. uh I think Jalen off the ball some would be a really good thing. He's become such a great spot up shooter um that I think that could that could benefit him. It takes some of the uh yeah I think Jalen works really hard for some of his points still, and I feel like bringing in a guy that can handle the ball like DeJounte would help in that way. I think he is. Uh, his defense, I know some will uh, criticize it, and obviously his off-ball defense will leave a little bit to be desired, but I think on the ball, I think there's some there's a good defensive player there. And I think there's p- potentially you're going to get a boost from him in terms of his attention to detail, his effort, uh, if he's going from Atlanta to a winning situation. Uh, that's the case for him. Um, I wouldn't make the trade because I feel like you would have to trade too much to get him. And I, and this might sound crazy because I, I I know he's a better player than Divincenzo, but I just feel like with this starting lineup, I would kind of rather have Divincenzo just play the two guard spot and just be a, an amazing spot up shooter and a great off ball defender. I feel like that's what this team needs. I think you can go somewhere else to get that creation off the bench uh, for a much lesser price. So uh, that's my Dejounte uh, take. Where are you? What do, how are you feeling on on him? Good player, but I don't know about the fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, you know, it's nothing that hasn't been said before. I,
1: I, I definitely feel like that shooting guard spot in this lineup needs to be a low usage shooter and a good shooter. Now, the fact that DiVincenzo Chenzo has shot the way he shot makes it a no brainer to me. Um, I think Grimes is a better fit there too, than DeJounte. And that's not to say that having DeJounte doesn't make the team better. It does, largely because you now solve, to some extent, your non-Brunson minutes. Uh, and I think he can do a pretty good job carrying that unit. But it's, as you say, he's he, it's, a, it's a large price to pay. You're going to have to probably give up Grimes in that deal. Um, and draft equity for a guy who you know is not the best fit. Now, as Jeremy talks about, there may be... That might have. There might have to be an intermediate move to get the guy you really want to get at some point. So you need that kind of salary, and he's not again going to help the team. So from that standpoint, it might make sense. Just from like a player fit perspective, the fact that he's not a dangerous catch and shoot guy, or not really that willing. Um, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go
2: that direction. Does it, I, make this, does it make the ceiling of the team better? I think so. You keep, so. I don't know how to put a number on it, but do you like, if you're like, all right, there's a 10% chance this team gets to an Eastern conference final. And and this move bumps that to 20% with like a, I don't know, 5% chance of getting to the finals. Like, is there, is there enough of a upgrade in terms of like the overall ceiling of this team to say, listen, the contract is good enough to where like, if this doesn't work out
0: <sighs> relatively
2: yeah. easy to move on from, even if you're not, you're not using him to get to the next superstar. Uh, but is there an argument to say like, all right, his his creation and his on the ball defense and his just he's just a really good, he's just a really good player. And if adding the players that. tends to work. Yeah, you say, listen, our ceiling is X. It gets us um, that much better. Is it is it worth doing it now? Grimes, could, it could be like such a good piece in the draft equity. You're like, no, I'm not doing it for a small increase in the ceiling, but. That's kind of where the argument for him is that he does like make your ultimate ceiling a little greater.
1: Yeah, and I think he does. And part of it would be like, what role is he willing to accept? Like, I I think the a ceiling of this team would be where, even if he starts Dejounte, like you're not you're limiting the Brunson and Dejounte Murray together minutes, and he like maybe isn't in every closing lineup, and like he does, is he willing to play that kind of role? Now, I, I think evidence tells us maybe not. Yeah. So that's right. an interesting question as well. And like, where where's his head at? Would I think go into the equation? In your theoretical world, I agree with you. Like, there probably is a point at which I would make the move considering it that way. I just don't know based on like whether what the overall fit, whether what he's willing to do, what he's willing to sacrifice at this point in his career. I don't know. That's kind of where... I hesitate on it, Um, so I don't know. I would say I am towards the pass on it, but wouldn't be like shocked, nor would I be devastated if they made a move like that. I just, not really where I'd go. Thanks, James.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: Uh, is this my turn? these back. No, it's your turn. Hit it. MDM. Thank you again. Uh, so impressed with JB's three point shooting. What do you think he did to improve? shot looks smooth and the range is good as well and i just don't think there's anyone uh, better to answer this question than than you my friend <laughs> um who had a wonderful thread on jb's uh, shooting uh, evolution um including a history lesson including it all so uh, check out uh benji's uh, twitter feed uh at ritz it, it was one of the best pieces of content i've uh read in a long time so ah uh, thanks dj i i really i thought that was really well done so talk about a thanks, little uh, jb's three point shooting and you know, how he's improved in that
1: uh yeah i mean i'm impressed with it too what did he do to improve so i i encourage you to check out fred Katz's article from maybe a couple of months back now or a month month ago where he actually detailed he answered that exact question um and talked to Brunson about it and Tibbs about it and got some great quotes in there. So what he did to improve was from the moment he was basically signed by the Knicks, both he and the Knicks identified the fact that he was going to have to shoot more threes and um, get better at them. He was always a good shooter, but his volume wasn't high and his off the dribble volume was very low. And now that he was going to become the primary initiator for a team, it's going to be and F team. I should, I should note. Uh, with very little spacing or not very good spacing when you had Barrett, Randall Robinson in the lineup. Mm -hmm. So it was identified pretty early. He was going to need to shoot a lot of pull up threes and get better at them. And so from the moment he was signed, they, he started uh, incorporating these drills into his workouts that worked specifically on pull up shooting distance shooting. And they drew a four point line in the practice facility that he would specifically practice behind so as to improve that type of shot. And what we're seeing is honestly one of the, one of the best shooting leaps I can remember in a two year span. Um, We're talking about a guy who's gone from a weakness of pull-up shooting and one that like golden state exploited in the second round of that playoffs, where they would basically play off of him off the dribble and go under screens and dare him to shoot off the dribble threes. Where now going under screens is a, not an option. It's a non starter. Uh, playing off of Brunson is a, is a non starter. He's too good to become one of the best three point, but best pull up three shooters in the league mm-hmm. uh, on volume. So he's shooting Unreal. over four a game. He's shooting 41% on pull up threes. It's crazy what he has done. Um, the shot looks extremely smooth. I think the release has gotten quicker. The range has gotten better. And this is all like this was all identified by the staff, by Brunson himself, and worked on to get to the point where we're at and for it to all come to fruition. Um, to this extent and this quickly, pretty remarkable story and leap that um, I'm not even sure is being talked about enough. I know we talk about it all the time, but like, I think everyone just kind of assumes, like, Jalen Brunson's so good. And then you get the commentators being like, he's so crafty and smart, and his leadership is so good. And it's like, guys, he's one of the best shooters in the league. He has top one percentile skill. It's not just like leadership and craft.
2: Ugh. That bothers
1: me. Anyway, what else you got, DJ?
2: Well, you're right about that 100%. And the, I think there's, and listen, you're, you're talking about like the, on how unprecedented the leap was. I think that the part of it that you could maybe identify and maybe, uh, you know, this could apply to other players is like, you if you could take a guy that is, that you can say, all right, this guy has elite touch. And maybe that touch manifests itself in mid range or floaters or layups or whatever it is that. Isn't a shooter? Maybe you can build out a shooter out of that sort of mold because the 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 craft and the touch all was always there. Maybe it just wasn't identified and wasn't uh, you know sort of like prioritized by previous you know Villanova to to Dallas. Uh, The Knicks did prioritize it as you as you mentioned, and it's been it's paid immediate dividends uh, incredibly. And then I think the other part of it is, and this is just how I just find this extraordinary is that. Most guys his size that shoot from where he's shooting now, uh, and I always talk about one motion versus two motion guys. They tend to be one motion, like Dame Lillard or Steph Curry, guys like that. Where just it's just all one motion from the dip all the way to the release. And he is not that type of shooter. He is more a high release. It's gotten quicker as you mentioned. It's gotten smoother, but he still is a is a two motion guy for the most part. That is shooting in areas that he's usually reserved at a player's his size for the try youngs who are just like dip to release. And it's all one motion. And it's very easy to transfer the energy from your legs to your, your and, and lower and lower releases. So that it's usually like, lower. Yes. Yeah. Like it, another piece it, it, of it takes yeah. a lot of
1: strength to shoot from where he's shooting to get the ball all the way there for 30 feet. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. And there's only a few, I mean, it's like LeBron it's Luca. There's only a few guys that shoot in this manner from that distance consistently. Uh, Julius has it a little bit, uh, uh but these are just giant humans and Jalen is not a giant human. And for him to shoot from this uh, distance and I mean, it's like his strength is just, it sh- it man- it's like there's functional strength and there's just like weight room strength. And this is a functionally strong NBA player that just uses it in a way from his, his shoulder, which is you, you talk all the time about. It's a weapon of mass destruction that he can generate <laughs> space with it. It's his, his distance on his three-point shooting. Uh, it's the fact that he could take a million charges and just get up every single time play all the games he plays at the minutes and the, the sort of uh, responsibility he has. Uh, We do this all day. We have a lot more questions to get to, but yeah, his shooting evolution. um,
1: Let me me, me pose a question before we move on, DJ, because I've been thinking about this a lot. We, we, (laughs) and it it goes to the commentator point, like not an elite athlete is what people say about Jalen Brunson. Yeah. They also say it about like Luka Doncic, for example. And I, I, To me, there's like needs to be a redefinition of NBA Mm -hmm. athleticism because as much as there should be a category of jumps high and fast (laughs) that should be part of athleticism, like deceleration, like Shea Gilders Alexander, not that athletic. Mm -hmm. But like nobody can decelerate flexibly the way Shea Gilders Alexander can. And some of Brunson's decels these this year. Where like, he's somehow after going full speed into somebody stops on a dime and two steps, doesn't move just somehow with it with, with, while, while doing these two steps is just going straight up and down. Like it's hard to even mm-hmm. cons- like, that is, I don't know if it, I don't know. Is there a better word for it than athleticism? Because that is some no. type of crazy athleticism that he has that allows him to do that.
2: His short area burst is I think incredible. Like yes. He's not, he's not fast, but he's from getting to point A to point B in a very short, a window like he he does it fa- as fast as anyone. Um, that I mean, I mean, there's probably a few guys that could that can match him, but like there's like a De'Aaron Fox athleticism, and there's a Jalen Brunson athleticism, like these are just it's different categories. Um, but yeah, I think there you can easily define him as a great athlete. The balance, I mean, you just the, Jeez, to be able to like the direction shift, like when he does those yeah. sweep through moves, like you like guys, got one in I want, Philly, he had like, you over guys the, go.
1: I want, I want yeah. people to go into their driveways or their park and try to do a sweep through move the way Brunson does it and actually change direction. Cause it, he makes it look easy. And I have tried to work on that move. My legs don't work that way. I can't do it. I can't shift direction like that. I end up looking like a total idiot. Like it requires <laughs> incredible, like, I don't know, it's strength. It's athleticism. We're on a tangent, but I just wanted to kind of hone in on this because it bothers me the way he's talked about a little bit because there is so much. There's so much there from a from a skills and athleticism standpoint it's it's not just craft, foul drawing, leadership, toughness, all those things are true. He's all of those things. Mm-hmm. He is a magnificent athlete like in, in different ways than maybe our are you know the, the eyes are trained to see. but I'm telling you man, he is so special. uh Hamdi was talking about the shooting, which is really special, but I'm you know expanding on it. There's a lot about mm-hmm. his game and his skill set. That is really, really special. So, anyway, let's get the next question up. Thank you, Hamdi. We got Eban. Eban says, "I'm curious what either of you think about the remaining 46 games. If we compare offensive and defensive numbers, barring any insane trades, barring any insane trades, we should be favored in 37
2: of 46." Mm. DJ, all right, we are just the vibes are good, the vibes are strong. <laughs> uh Yeah, the schedule I think uh, from, I think it eases up a little bit from what I understand. I don't know if uh, Benji you have a better read on that, but I think the next schedule from here on out is uh, maybe average, maybe slightly below average and strength of twenty uh, third easiest. Thank you, uh JMAC. So and the Knicks deserve this. After, obviously, po- after,
1: from, po- after, po- after Portland, it'll it'll rise again a little bit, unfortunately. But yes.
2: That that is true, yes. But I, I feel like, yes, the the remaining games. I feel like this team, you know, that if you look at some of the, you know, the whether it's dunks or threes or synergy when they have these adjusted ratings, you know, the Knicks are probably the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference by you know some measures, third and some in terms of just like how they've played compared to the quality of of opponent this year. I love where they are right now. I I tweeted the other day, like, is this you know what what's the the most recent starting lineup that can compete in terms of quality to this current one and you know i think you have to go back pretty far i i would hit, i i might say like mid 90s far in terms of like just getting a lineup that that is as put together and as good as this starting lineup right now listen i it's i've thought some things about this team <laughs> i definitely have thought that you know can the, i've i'm trying to maintain some composure here um but listen i I think if everything breaks right, I think this team gets to the eastern finals and listen if that's the case, you have a puncher chance and I feel like there's uh, that, that that's how how much how how just how strong i think this this starting five group is and how much confidence I have to this front office to make a move, even if it's on the margins to get them better in the, in the second unit. So that's my, uh, the vibe, listen, the vibes have not been, uh, better for me. Um, uh, Benji, I don't know if they're 37 at, at a 46, but they're going to win a lot of games the rest of the way. DJ has thought some things, folks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's, thought, he's thought some things. Um, man, I, I, look, I, I still have <laughs> you sound like uh you sound like you're, you just started a relationship mm-hmm. you've been through you've been through some rough ones thought it was going well and, and that's rebound what, that's what you sound like right now um yeah mm-hmm. maybe it makes sense after the trade you know like go of i q you'll break up a little make with o g <laughs> <you're friendly>. anyway <laughs> i i I still have concerns I still have concerns, however to your point Iban. um the schedule is favorable because you've played the Bucks 312 times already and you played the Celtics up 250 times already. And you just beat Philly, who you have a couple more times. Um, but I am concerned with the minute load right now. I'm concerned with the backup point guard and center position. Um if there's any injury to Julius or to Jalen, I think we're in deep doo-doo like real trouble. So the minute load thing therefore is more of an issue because the injury would be a real disaster without the ball handling to make up for either of those guys going down. Um, I just saw Tyrese Halliburton went out with a hamstring. So you never know, man. Yeah. Um. So between depth and, and between, like a little concern at times with uh, Julius has been so good. He's been so, so good. But like the Philadelphia game, like brought up some demons for me where like, I guess they're not playing a very tough schedule. So maybe I, I don't need yeah. to be so concerned, but when he does play, feel
2: like an Embiid factor, he's just camping in the paint the entire time.
1: Well, yeah. So like yeah, that's why like- you need, that's why you need to diversify the portfolio, man. Like you, yeah. you do, you need mm. to, you need to be able to catch and shoot threes. Yeah, like it doesn't need to be last season, Julius, but there's got to be a balance. Um, against the elite rim protecting teams, like he's still going to play with the center who's not spacing, so those best rim protectors are going to be in the paint against the Bucks, He's survived on like post moves and tough mid range get shots, but like that's not always going to be there for him. So
2: that's yeah, a concern. Your point The three best teams have a guy. Yeah, They're sure and, and he's uh, struggled
1: against Porzingis. God knows. Yes. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, like, that's a concern, but maybe that's more of a playoff concern, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really good about where they are, but there is like that the the in the back of my mind, I am worried a bit about the depth issues that are significant right now, uh, yeah. and so that's my only reservation to getting like crazy excited. I also think it's, like it's, as 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 let me just finish, as the days yeah, go sure. on, like I think. Some of the warts of OG will come out more. Uh, I think you're starting to see them a little bit, but like he's not a perfect player. Um, he's kind of close to perfect on defense, but offensively well, there's a lot. I to have be a desired. point on that.
2: Yeah, yeah So hear. the defense, I didn't like him on Maxi. I don't know. If oh, you a, oh yeah, he I, didn't do great there. I thought yeah. that he was just he's just too fast for him, and I feel like that was. Uh, I think he, they needed to. Uh, and anyway, knew he has some. Reps said uh, Maxi didn't make every shot. Didn't play a great game, but I thought that Maxi played like great in the first. Where he, yeah, and I thought he got to where he wanted to go pretty easily. So to me, that would have been that. That just I, I would just flag that as like, all right, maybe we call him a one to five defender. And there's probably there's a lot of point guards. I'm sure he's going to defend well. Maxi is a different type of athlete in terms of the burst and the straight line speed and the shooting and all the. He's just an incredible yeah. offensive player right now, and I f- I feel like that's probably the one guy that's going to give OG the most problems other than like your dominant, like a Jokic or Embiid, who I know he had a couple of good uh, reps against, but I, I just will, I just wanted to flag that. Like I didn't, I thought going into the game, they weren't going to have OG on Maxi because of some of the speed issues. And and to me, unfortunately that manifested a little bit. Um, yeah. I think the only matchup for him is Grimes on this team. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think Dante has a chance there either. Um, but yeah, I mean, Deuce is, and oh, guys Deuce are too. Basic, yeah. Deuce but I Yeah. But yeah. Yes, he's the one he could probably feel pretty comfortable with. But
1: yeah, that's a good point. That was, that was, I mean, I'm glad they tried it. You know, the one thing I, I worry with Tibbs is like, will he be willing to go to like, uh, against Philly? Like, would he have gone to, um, OG on Embiid and Hartenstein on Tobias and like yeah. something, some alignment like that, that a lot of coaches go to? We saw it with the Lakers against uh, the Nuggets in the playoffs, where like Rui guarded him, and we see it with the Celtics all the time. They'll do things like this often, where they put Tatum or Brown on a center and, uh, and and let Porzingis roam. Like I think that has that should be now that you have OG, like weaponize him, right? Yeah. And like where that's where that would be helpful. Like just go to it and see how it goes, especially regular season. Like see how that goes, so that if you need it in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you can go to it against the Philly. Um I do kind of want to see them try something like that, but that's for another time. All right. Well, thanks, you, Ben.
2: Thank you. Frank sound uh, coming from overseas. Uh, appreciate the uh, donation and uh, the question point guard at backup center. Thanks guys. Uh, so what is the bigger need right now? Benji point guard. I think we're, we're, I think I'm your, I think I know what you're going to say, but where where would you go if you're going to make a move here? You had to pick one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's point guard, but I I would like both. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing against Precious Achua. I don't think he is the right coach. <laughs> like mm. I, I, I the tip setters, man, they're just gonna be asked to do what they do, and mm. he's done okay in certain spots. I think mostly it's been a pretty rough go, and the fact that he didn't play in that, or I don't know if he played or didn't play at all, or was barely played in the second half of um Washington game. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein played 39 minutes again in that game. And Julius even got a two minutes at center mm-hmm. is troubling. That said, I think between Sims, Precious and Julius minutes at center with OG on the floor, preferably you can probably f- do well enough um, without it because those guys all do decent things well and can probably hold down the fort. I don't necessarily see a ball handler on the roster that can carry or help carry a second unit. Um, that's currently playing. Although again, if Flynn gets a chance and shows out, maybe the answer is a center. I'm actually not sure about this. What do you think DJ? Like I could go either way.
2: Yeah. I think it's point guard. If I had to put my flag somewhere, but I, I think you can, obviously we've made the argument for both, um, at times, uh, the precious minutes, I would agree, have not been good. Um, I'm not ready to sort of write them off. And I, if you're going to make this a precious for Sims comparison, you know, I think we're at the point now where I would like to see this be a healthy competition between the two of them. I don't see why that can't be the case. If you're going to, if you're thinking about like, all right, if they're going to get 15 minutes a night, let's, Figure this out. I think there's, you can make the argument that Sims was good enough last year and as a starter and has shown enough to where like he deserves a chance to beat out Precious Achua as your backup five. I think that's reasonable. I think they can, I think they have actually similar defensive shortcomings and uh, skill sets. Offensively, you, I guess Precious is a better, he's more talented, clearly more skills. Uh, You know, I don't, is he better? He probably, I don't know. I, does he take it? Is he like such a live wire offensively? Sometimes that he's actually like taking some things Like you almost like rather him play like more of a Sims role in terms of just being like very disciplined and very specific with what he does. Um, But listen, I think that I think precious is a, is a talented player. I think he deserves a chance. I think Sims deserves a chance. I I think I'd rather see them sort of like in the next week or so, uh, you know, give them the several games to see if, we could figure out who the better player is right now and let them compete for it. And I do think the point guard position is the bigger need. And I think they're going to, they'll figure out a way to address it. All right. Thanks, Frank.
1: Thank you, Frank. Andrew. Come on, GMAC. Tom dance says, thanks for the pod guys. How many protected firsts would it take to get Caruso plus Drummond for Fournier's expiring? Could Caruso run the offense when Brunson is on the bench?
2: DJ, mm. well, let me let me just start with this, the last question. Yeah, um, and I'll say it in this way: I don't. I think there's going to be a lot, many more teams, many five or six that will have a bigger need for Caruso than the Knicks, which will probably make him a non, just a a a, a move that won't make sense for them in terms of the cost. I don't think they need a Caruso at all. I think he would obviously. He's such such a good on the ball defender and such a good defender in general. He would obviously help them. But if the, if he's going to require, you know, potentially two first round picks, I just think there's going to be other teams that are going to desperately need a player like him that will have that that need. I think that Knicks have players on the roster that can sort of do. You know whether it's seventy-five percent or whatever the percentage is in terms of what he, you know, Grimes can do some of the Caruso stuff. I think Hart can do some of the Caruso stuff. I don't think he's a great need for this this team, despite the fact that he is legitimately one of the better defenders in the in the sport. Full stop. He's he's just a tremendous player. I just don't think the Knicks would meet the asking price based on like what he does in terms of elevating where this team is right now. That's kind of like my first. Thought um, so. I guess it answers the the first question. Like, would you trade protect the first, or how many protect? I mean, I think just more than the Knicks would trade. Probably is the answer to that one.
1: Yeah, and then uh, can you run the offense? No, not really. He's really a wing. Um, I haven't been that impressed with his pick and roll play. Um, he's not that good a shooter. Uh, no, I don't think he's going to boost the second unit offense. The reason you get Caruso is because you think he's going to be probably if not start a shooting guard, like play a whole lot, be a real six man and like play a lot of minutes, probably close. Like he's really, really good and defensively an absolute monster. But I think to DJ's point, I don't think the fit is quite right. Um, And other teams will likely want him more than the Knicks will need him. And so I don't see that as the move, Tom. Thank you though. Uh, Sam L. What's up, Sam with a great profile picture of, the man, the captain, the captain can removing RJ into a lesser extent IQ from the pecking order. Turn the Knicks from an ISO team to a ball movement team. Early returns are good, man. You know, I'll start with this one, if you don't mind. Sure. Either. Oh, take it. I, I've seen some of this idea that like the the ball's been moving a ton. I, I, I haven't really seen that. I think like. Brunson has the ball. Brunson and Julius have the ball more. Brunson's racked up a lot of assists. I think he's making good passes. I think he's also has the ball more and is just uh, the volume is higher. The usage is higher. Um, I don't think they're playing offense that differently. I think the fact, again, that OG attacks directly and simply keeps keeps the machine moving, I guess, more efficiently. So uh, to that extent, yes, but no, I don't think this is going to become a ball movement team. I think this will always be at least to some extent an ISO team, because you have Julius and and Brunson who thrive in those scenarios and you have guys like Julius who aren't like the quickest decision makers. So, you know, I I don't know. I haven't really seen that. What I, I guess what the, 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 the point to be made, though, is that Hartenstein has had more responsibility with the ball, and that has created some good movement. So, in that say, in that sense, I do agree with you, Sam. Wow, I just contradicted myself in one really long, winded, crappy answer. <laughs> so, I don't think the ball is moving all that much more. I do think when Hartenstein has the ball, the ball moves more. So, I guess it does move more.
2: Yeah. Well, that, listen, <laughs> it's a small <laughs> sample size, and you're, we're just trying to work through it. It's like it's 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 early still, right? We're trying to we're trying to figure it all out, but I will, I I think you just, I think you hit on it at the end in the terms of like, uh, I hit on nothing. you did at the but end. I, you got there eventually.
1: Okay, right? great, great. I'm glad, <laughs> um, I'm glad I jumped in to take that one first. Like, let me have this one. I'll ramble <laughs> on from nonsense for 10 minutes. Please, DJ, talk some so, sense into me. I,
2: I would just, uh, I will say that, you know, you're taking, you know, where is the RJ and where's the quickly usage going? And I think, yes, is going, listen, is it going to Brunson and Randall? You can probably, Numbers, I haven't looked at it to be completely fair, and I don't know if that bears out. But if you're gonna, most of it is going to the ancillary pieces, which is OG, which is DiVincenzo, which is Grimes, which is Hartenstein, primarily Hart a little bit. And these guys are just they're all quicker decision makers in the sense that they're going to either have an opening, whether it's DiVincenzo, but the shot's there, he's going to take it, if it's not, it's moving. Hart. And, you know, to his detriment sometimes is going to, um, you know, move the ball sometimes when it doesn't need to move and when he should shoot it. But I think, I feel like these guys grimes too. we wish there were some uh, more aggression there, but I think, I feel like these guys are all wired to be more connector pieces than RJ specifically. And IQ to some degree, because I feel like with IQ, my one of the larger issues I always had with him was like, sometimes his, need to get to where he wanted to go took a lot of time because yeah. he doesn't, he's not bursty and his handle is good, but it's not great. So to get to where he, he needs to go just requires more work to get that defender slightly off balance. And then he's, he's got an opening and then it's, it's time to move, but that, that all takes a little bit of time. And we know JB is the guy that is going to, to do that. And then we know Julius is, so you've removed a couple of guys that can you know, sort of like take some time to get get to their spots and you've replaced that usage with guys that are just naturally more inclined to keep the thing moving a little bit. So I, I know over the first three games, if you just looked at passing and assists, it was much higher than the pre-OG trade. And obviously, as you started with this, it, we are in small sample size theater and we have to see how that maintains. But I thought watching it, it was... Evident enough to where I went and looked at it and it did show a little bit in the data. So I feel like there is more movement uh, with the ball with the after the trade. And, you know, obviously, we're going to have to see if this uh, maintains. But uh, the Hartenstein piece specifically is just important here because, you know, he's a great outlet. He's, He's just a he's a great guy to sort of like direct things when things are bogged down. And they didn't have that guy as a, you know ancillary piece. It wasn't RJ's role. Obviously, it wasn't Mitch's role. So you've now put in a guy that's playing a lot of minutes that could do those sort of things. And I feel like that's really injected some, some life into this offense uh, in terms of its movement and its ability to sort of uh, diversify a little bit. That wasn't there, uh, obviously, before Mitch got hurt and, and I think before uh, the OG trade. I guess I'm less convinced of
1: the other part of that. Like, I... The second unit's been pretty stuck in the mud, like it's been dumped to Randall if Brunson's in. Like, I agree that when Hartenstein is involved and is able to kind of move the ball from point A to point B as the outlet, as as the as the roller, that definitely increases the ball movement. But that was true before. I I don't know. I agree with you about IQ and RJ. So like both of those guys, uh, as effective as they were in different ways didn't necessarily like when they were initiating, create a ton of ball movement. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm less convinced that like the, the, the usage going to Hart Grimes, Deuce, like is going to really ramp up your ball movement. But I agree on the Hartenstein point, but your point, listen, if the data is reflecting more passes, more assists, we'll see if that continues. And I am happy to be proven wrong on this, but I, I just, I don't know. I haven't quite seen it in, in, in the film, but maybe it's there.
2: Hit DJ Ben Kim gurvey Thank you so much. Uh, one of our regulars. Always appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, what cha- changes to the offense is the team making? Uh, should the team make to take more advantage of OG? Benji, love this question.
1: Love this question, Ben. As you often, uh, you often do ask good questions. Um, I don't have a ton to change, honestly, because and this is taking out the other consideration of what OG needs to be happy, which maybe is a concern here. Um, But let's just assume that he's going to sign and be happy. Okay. Um, The one thing I would like to see, and there was actually a play late in either God, either in the, I think it was Philly, but frankly, I watched them in reverse because I was back online Saturday night and I watched, I watched, I watched Washington live and then I went back and watched Felice. Now I can't remember which game it was, but there was a play really late, I think at the end, maybe almost like garbage time, where Hartenstein caught at the foul line and OG ducked into the post. And Hartenstein threw the pass, it was deflected for a turnover. And I can, I'll I'll, I'll pull up this play uh, after this podcast and and put it out there to show you all. But that interests me. Like that moves me because I don't know if you really want OG initiating more. I watched, a lot of Toronto film, like the plays they ran for him, you know, coming off a couple screens, trying to get him kind of with momentum, didn't move me all that much. Like any kind of real ball handling requirement that was given to him. I just wasn't moved by. And I think the offense is better off in other hands, but little duckings to use his size, especially because at times they're going to put length on Brunson and he's going to get a small defender on him the way RJ was. Mm -hmm. Yep little duck-ins, and you can use Hartenstein in that high-low game, that interests yeah. me a lot.
2: that is like the me Bam a Bam Butler sort of like... Yes. Butler ducks in, Bam exactly. is your high post. And yeah.
1: that's that's something that he did a bit with the Clippers that hasn't really been utilized with the Knicks, but Hartenstein, I mean. But that yeah. that really interests me. Like, can we get him some easy looks inside? The, as you mentioned at the outset, the guy is huge. He's mm-hmm. just massive and with a crazy wingspan. And if he catches it underneath, he's going to dunk it most likely. So, like, can we find him some of those buckets?
2: Uh, yeah. And I think, I feel like that's, that, that was the one thing. Um, Cause I, I, don't know if it was, you who mention this. Uh, we were talking about how Butler killed the Knicks in the last year, uh, especially in the playoffs with those like transition, like post-up opportunities where you just like bully RJ or Hart seals seals. Um, Where like you, you bring an OG and you'd sort of like, you think you would take away that a play that would generate either a bucket or free throws typically for him. So but that got me thinking of like, all right. So can you can the Knicks sort of utilize the OG fact uh, part um on the offensive end with a similar shot diet? I I don't think he is terribly skilled in the post from what, I, what I've seen. I only looked at two years ago because he had volume as a post player in Toronto, and I think he was like forty percent overall, and the volume was decent enough to where like I feel like he was relevant. But there's not a lot of counters. I mean, he really needs to be like under the rim or at the basket to like make a single move and like get, get there and get fouled maybe. But if you're asking him to like put string a couple of moves together, it's, I think you're going to be disappointed with the outcomes more times than not. So that's my only pushback. I feel like there's um, that's just like the one thing with him. And like, you talked about how like warts are going to come up as he like plays more minutes. And I just, I, I feel like in his role, as a corner three-point shooter, as a transition player, and he's fantastic in that in that area, and as a uh, attacking closeouts, so I feel like he's a good offensive player, or at least a good, a really good fit to this this team. But if he thinks he has you know visions of grandeur to be like a third option, like a true third option or a second option on a basketball team, like I just don't, I don't see it. Twenty six years old, I don't, I don't see it coming to him. But that he's still going to be an incredibly valuable player, all defense caliber and make a ton of money so it's I'm not indicting him I'm just saying like I think that we need to be a little wary of increasing his shot diet because I feel like there's a few things he does really well and some things I just don't think he's cut out to do. Yep, agreed. Thanks Ben.
1: We got Tingus Pingus. <laughs> What's up? I love that. Thank you for the chat, my friend, uh, and, the, and the contribution. Uh, thoughts on Mitch versus iHeart in the future? Here we go. Who is a better <laughs> fit? Which realistic backup centers should the Knicks be targeting? Great question, Tingus Pingus. DJ, what you got? Uh,
2: all right. So, as a, um, you're not going to find a bigger Mitch fan than me. Uh, so, this pains me a little bit to say. That was a great Trump uh, introduction. Um, there's no bigger. There's just, there's than there. no bigger fan than Mitchell <laughs> get, than me. Get Chris that, up here. I know, it's terrible. Um, so I'm leading in. I'm I'm leaning hard into this uh, answer, but I just feel like Hardin sign has just been too good a fit offensively with Randall and with Brunson and just with the just where the starting lineup is right now to make a change uh, and. That means this year, obviously, they're not. I don't think even if Mitch came back, I just don't, it would be late. And I just don't think they would change anything. And I feel going forward, I think when they go into contract negotiations, I just think they have to view a Hartenstein as the starter. I think there's enough of a sample size for what he can do on the defensive end. I mean, he's, listen, I don't know. How much stock you guys put into this? Uh, i I've questioned some of the numbers, but he's a hundredth percentile in e p defensive EPM right now for dunks and threes best in the league, best in the sp- in the league. I mean, that is even if you think that number is inflated some for some reason, he's getting a ton of steals. He gets every he's getting a ton of defensive rebounds. He's blocking every def- every <laughs> dunk rim attempt at him. Uh, so I, that's all to say that you just he's playing too good to say that when Mitch comes back this year or next year, that he's, he's got that starter spot um, locked up. I just think it's Hartenstein's. He's the better fit. He's but I thought he's better fit with Randall from, from, from early on in the season that's maintained through uh, the, uh, as we moved along. And I just feel like his off offensive ability, just it's just enough to, even if it's not a ton of value, it's just, it it gets to seem out of like, some like sticky situations time and time again. Um, So it's a long winded way of saying like, listen, I'm sorry, but it's like injuries suck. But if a guy is going to play this well, you're not going to take him out of the starting lineup. Um, And then as for backup center, we've talked about, you know, where this team, you know, they have a couple of guys, uh, Precious and Sims, which I like to see get a chance. Um, You know, Drummond is a interesting name because he can, he's a dominant offensive rebounder. And his, you know, some of his uh, metrics on the defensive end are very strong this year. I'd, I'd be interested. I just don't know if that's a, a move they need to trade assets for. To be honest.
1: Yeah, oh, man, it's a great question. It's one that I'm, I'm struggling with. I think it's safe. Like, I think it's fair to say. Like, I want to see this go on longer. Like, I've seen Mitch do this for for longer stretches, and IHeart has been exceptional over the last. I don't know, 10 games. I also like, I'm having trouble reconciling that number a bit, DJ. Maybe you can help me out. Like I, I I am fully aware of how great he's been. Certainly the last 10 games, like after Mitch went out, this defense fell apart. And I guess I'm struggling to understand how that could be the case, like separate and apart from Hartenstein's performance on that end. Maybe it is. Maybe everyone else just fell apart. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit. Like, And to me, there still is a speed and athleticism difference with Mitch versus Hartenstein that matters and may manifest in certain places. But I don't think you can argue that Mitch was better defensively than I heart's been. Um, forget like divorcing the data from a second, which I think should be considered. And obviously it's like important to note, mm-hmm. but like the guy's been an absolute monster over the last several games. And to your point, if he plays like this and we get to a playoffs and he plays like this, you can't, you can't take him out of the starting lineup. I do want to see it though. I want to see it over a long stretch. I want to see it in a playoff series. Cause I saw Mitch do it in a playoff series. Now, mm-hmm against Miami. Mitch was okay, but his limitations hurt and allows Miami to do things defensively and really condense the floor in a way that Hartenstein helps you out with. So it's a, it's going to be a balance and some might, one might be better in a certain matchup. Like it's healthy to have that. And, but I'm not going to like yet say that I heart's the center of the future. Like I do want to see it for a longer stretch and I want to see it if we get, if, and when we get to the playoffs, um, and then the question becomes: Okay, if they're both really good, maybe Hartenstein's a little bit better. Like, how much money can you give him, and can you have both centers for? You know, you get forty-eight minutes of like top-flight center play. That's really valuable, especially in this system. So maybe it's worth it. Uh, and obviously, keeping the asset is important. All those conversations come in, but like in terms of like one versus the other, if if I if I heart maintains this level of play for a long stretch here, does it in the playoffs? Yes, the answer is Hartenstein because he does give the team flexibility, and he's doing incredible things. I will, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, it's. Um, I, th- I think you you almost have to view him because you can't go into next year with Mitch as your center without a Hartenstein level or like a, you a guy that you're confident can start thirty games for you. I think Mitch is at the point now where their injuries have piled up to the point where you just have to go in with a center capable of playing. That's a, lot a great of, point. A lot of games, but
1: Hardenstein hasn't played like starters minutes ever. So we also have to see that like, mm, yeah, especially, especially the way they're playing
2: him now, which I think they need to. So you're fly. a little worried about his minute load. Oh yeah. Specifically him more than the others.
1: How many seven footers play 39 minutes in a game?
2: Yeah. Like I agree with even, you. That doesn't even happen. Like they need his to, motor is so high too. You're just crazy. Like, he's playing. Yeah.
1: He's try, he tries to, I mean, they really, I think they gotta be a little careful with him. I really do. Understanding yeah. that the backup center spot is tough right now. I, and I, I and I just, I just want to see it for an extended period here. And to your point about yeah. Mitch, like not only is he out for the year and his injury upon injury upon injury, it always, you know, for a guy like him with that body, it's going to take him some time to get back mm-hmm. again. And like, if, if you do get Hartenstein back on a deal, I agree with you. He'll start day one, but I'm just, I want to give it a little bit of time before I kind of come to a conclusion on it. The way Hartenstein's playing this minute, no, no arguments. I mean, he's been
2: godsend. Yep. Agreed. It'd Jack Halovich. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all you guys uh, uh, hanging with us uh, tonight. I feel like Randall's three point attempt volume has gone up and kick out has gone up and kick out from dry volume has gone down recently. Something to be concerned about. Um so I'm going to uh plead ignorance here. I did not know his three-point volume has gone up of late. Um, let me pull up his 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 numbers in terms of his three point attempts. Uh Benji, have you seen that as I sort of uh check in?
1: Uh I haven't seen the numbers that, that Confirm number? that. He had maybe a couple games where he took like six or seven, so it might be true. Um
2: Okay, so he did take eight against Washington, three go. against uh, Philly, seven against Chicago, six against uh, Minnesota. Okay, so I mean that is a jump um, in three point volume, which I think generally is uh, as you touched on with the Embiid matchup specifically. The you want to have that diverse, diversity and when the yeah, I'm, I'm cool with this. For yeah. yeah, I'm cool with this you.
1: Yeah, I'm cool with this. I I'm not concerned about that because I'm okay with this three point volume going up. In fact, I think it has to go up a little bit. Um, against the best defenses um but i i think he's been doing really good things on the floor that philadelphia game excluded like i, I think his drive and kick game has been really good his post-up games and really good he's getting to the rim he's finishing better than he ever has i'm not particularly concerned about what you state here zach i i'm i have concerns about the new the, the third Sons. what he's doing now in terms of like just the just the battering ram to the rim over and over again, and how that translates to playoff ball. If not, if not complemented with an outside shot, I I do worry about that, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm not concerned with this trade off to the extent that the trade off has taken place.
2: Yeah. I think that's a a fair way of looking at it. I feel like, um, you know, the shooting is like the final piece to this puzzle here. Ah, uh, the unfortunate part is, and this is kind of what you're alluding to, is like, where is the shooting going to really manifest itself as like a being a problem? It's going to be the playoffs. So if you're if you're like one of the, and I, I get it. If if you're like, listen, what Randall can be all NBA again, but if he doesn't perform in the playoffs, like I just don't care. I think there's, I don't agree with that sentiment, but I feel like there's like a kernel of like understanding to be like, I, I just want to see Randall in the playoffs, and then I'll make my my judgment there. I well, I think he's probably more equipped this year than any year more because I feel like the talent around him is better. Uh it's if you look at the the we here year it's stark how little help he had. Reggie Bullock, I mean RJ second year, um you know he had a good year that year. Um, sure I mean Alec Burke, he was a, a really nice shot maker. Uh you know obviously um The center position really gave him nothing. There is, you know, obviously Derek had a really good uh, first year with the Knicks, but that roster around him was really poor compared, especially to what he has now. So I think if you look at it like, all right, who is, is he more equipped personally? Probably a little bit because I feel like his game is, I feel like there is more diversity to his game right now and his finishing is so incredible and i just feel like there's less opportunity for a team to just overload on him and really take him away because of um the talent around around him so but he's going to have to do it and that's uh for sure and you know i i would like i would like to see just the, the volume to to stay where it is even if it tick up a little bit from 3 but I would like to see the efficiency um come up a little bit i feel like that's as i said the, the sort of like the last piece to like building out a true like First or second All-NBA case for him.
1: All right. We got Foam Dome. Foam Dome. What's up, Foam Dome? Uh, Benji, great JB thread. Thanks, man. Agreed. I think think the East has four tiers. Okay. One, Boston. Two, Knicks, Sixers, Bucks, Heat, Cavs, Pacers, Magic. That is... Tremendously large tier three <laughs> is Brooklyn, Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta. Four is the relegation zone: Charlotte, yeah. Washington, and Detroit.
2: Do you agree? Um, agree Why well I, I agree with Boston at one by themselves. Really? I think they're the best team. Uh, I would break up the second tier a little bit and put Philly and um, Milwaukee by themselves despite Knicks beating them by 30 points. So I I feel like I I just think you have the affiliate Philly edge right now. Um, You can probably look at a lot of like advanced numbers and obviously the last win and say the Knicks are in the same tier as the Sixers. And I, I I don't know if I'd have a great case to argue against you, but right now I just feel like Milwaukee and Philadelphia are in their own second tier. Uh, I think then you have the Knicks, you have the, I think you have the heat and certainly uh, the Cavs in that second tier. And, I think Orlando, especially what they've done um, in beating Denver with Paolo. With I mean, that was one. His usage, by the way, is like thirty-eight over the past like several games at twenty-one years old. I mean, his Franz has been out. Franz, he's been out. uh, He's just been everything is going through him. He's running point guard for them. There's no spacing. His shooting numbers are obviously like not great, but he is like doing enough creation-wise to like keep his team in games against the Denver Nuggets. Despite the fact, you know, I know that they were uh, coming off a back-to-back, the Nuggets, that is. So I think Orlando's probably in the, you know, I would put Orlando with the Knicks, the Heat and the Cavs and say the Pacers are uh, in the, in the tier below that with, uh, you know, I would put the, I would put the Pacers in their own tier right now, I think. Well it's getting very confusing. If we see, um, yeah, if see lot, tiers, have? tiers right now. I've taken a very clean, like your thing, I've put in one, like
1: seven of them. Philadelphia two, Milwaukee three, <laughs> the Knicks four. We actually have 15 tiers in the Easter Conference. Uh also Milwaukee's apparently getting destroyed right now, as Andrew reports by Utah. Um Utah's awesome. But yeah, Milwaukee's struggling a bit. Um Man, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any real case to put Indiana right now in a different tier, other than except that Halliburton just got hurt, and I don't know how long he's out. But like, they keep racking up impressive wins. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. Yeah. What do you think I, of I, Miami? We haven't talked about them a ton. Like, are you just the status quo with them? They just—they're really good. Get,
1: they're yeah. really good at what they do, man. And if they make a deal, um, mm-hmm. they could be very scary. Um, I, I I do think it's kind of clean right now. I, I would I agree with you that I would, despite Milwaukee getting really struggling right now and hitting a bit of a, a road bump here, I would still put them in Philadelphia ahead because the superstar power is is so legit, and Giannis yeah. just Giannis different man. So mm-hmm. I would still have them ahead, and then I I put the rest that whole cluster together in that third tier because uh, I, I they're right. like Cleveland just won a gazillion games without half their guys, Indiana keeps racking up impressive wins. Orlando somehow keeps winning. Like I keep expecting Orlando to fall out and they refuse to do so. Yep. Um, and then the other two tiers, I think are pretty much right on. Although I could see Toronto rising above that tier with their new personnel. Uh, we'll see what happens with Siakam and like yeah, what they point. get back. Um, but I, I, they've been playing really well, obviously. Uh, and the bottom should never be talked about again. <laughs> Fred. Fred Katz,
2: Fred Katz of the Athletic.
1: Fred, I haven't read your article yet today. I, it was a very busy day, but I, I am getting to it, and I look forward to it. I know DJ said it was good.
2: And uh, was cats true. and shoot, by the way, you got to get. Frankly, and make
1: sure. I'm yes. not. I am not talking about cats and shoot. You're... John talks about it enough. <laughs> Fred says Detroit should be in its own tier. No, I am not putting Detroit in its own tier. He says scratch that this should be in its own tier it should be called the Tears tier. I disagree, Fred, because Detroit is putting up a fight in these last few games and Charlotte's a joke, and Washington's a joke. And like the Knicks needed to almost poop themselves to make that even a five point game at one point. I don't think I think Detroit is not in its own tier. And I would not be shocked if Detroit found their way into that conversation of not being the worst team in the East. What do you think, DJ?
2: Well, the counter is they're three and thirty-three. So,
1: like, uh, a positive three and 33 <laughs> over the there? last five games. It's been, it's been good. It's been uh, James
2: Wiseman. He's been, he's been, he's been rolling. Well, he's been containing the ball on defense. He's been finishing. He's not taking any of those terrible mid range jumpers anymore. I mean, you could, you could say some positive things, but I mean, three wins is three wins. So, How many losses I mean, Washington have seven
1: more than double. What, what, what Andrew, what, what does that face? Did Benji just
3: say a positive three and 33 positive three and 33.
1: <laughs> it's a positive one in four, like in their last five kind of Benji, thing.
3: they're one in 30 in their last 31 games.
1: Yeah. But what are they in their last five games? One in four. That's right. <laughs> one in four. And it's been a positive one in four. I look mark my words. Cause who was the guy who, who said, who was the guy who said after Utah beat the Knicks, Utah's going to win a lot of games. Who said it? Andrew? It was you. It was, it was you. Me. Detroit They've got is, Laurie marketing back. Detroit is not that much worse, if worse at all, than the Washington Schmendricks and the whoever else we're talking about. They're not. Charlotte without LaMelo, God help them. They're not that much worse, and if by the end of the season they're within that range, I said it first.
3: So, I I would counter with that if you're comparing them in that bottom four tier of ass, that is the relegation
1: zone. They should all be relegated for what it's
3: worth. Right. They're all relegated. Fine. But that that doesn't mean that they're like in the Utah conversation. No, right. I didn't say they're in the Utah conversation. I just said it's a positive and 3-33. But if you're in the relegation zone, does it matter if you're the best team in the relegation zone? You're just in the relegation zone. No, but Fred said that they should be in a different tier.
2: And I am saying they should not be in a different tier. The tier they're tier. in the same tier. A tear's tears. tear. We just keep talking about Fred so he keeps donating. That's all I care about. He's got another super chat. Here you go. (laughs) Fred says, according to second, oh, go ahead, Benji. Go ahead.
1: According to second spectrum, Detroit has pooped itself in all 33 games played this year. Not true. In the last five, they have merely urinated upon themselves, (laughs) in my opinion. Uh huh. DJ, what do you have to say about that?
2: Um, nothing listen, nothing I, 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 according to according to second spectrum i think we've exhausted this segment so i think <laughs> somehow somehow this show always becomes a pistons
3: pod let's wrap up fellas that's it fred wow yeah that's fine. it from fred
1: and that's it from everybody good that's job tonight. Disappointing. thank you for tuning in everybody please like this video and subscribe to our channel Please, if you're listening on the KFS podcast feed later, please leave a five star rating and review. Please check out—I soon as a pregame pod dropping tomorrow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With Sean Heiken, who uh, covers the Portland Trailblazers on Substack. The pregame pods are an awesome resource, guys, to prep for games. I listen to every single one. Andrew does an amazing job. Uh, so we have you covered pregame. We'll of course have you covered postgame. We'll have you covered with a thread after the postgame. Um, we have it all covered for you. Anything and everything to do with the Knicks, we have it covered better than anybody else, in my humble opinion. So, do all those things for us. We appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate all the reviews and the likes and such. DJ Fred's got another one.
2: You're gonna make me read this one? Yes, absolutely. If being in your pants is cool. Consider Marcus Sasser, Miles Davis. Miles Davis is a cool. It's a cool, dude. There's no one cooler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can always
3: count on Fred, too Meanwhile, Marcus Inrable, Sasser Almost
1: single-handedly <laughs> defeated the Knicks Because they're a very solid 3-33 Good night, everybody We'll talk to everybody soon
2: See ya